This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of Get Connected. Uh, some exciting uh, news today. Uh, I'm hosting the show, AJ Vickery, uh, in place of Mike Agarbo with uh, Andy Barrar. Hi, AJ. Hey, buddy. It's been a long time since you and I have done the show together. It's the uh, A-team. It's the A-team. Yeah, it's the Android team. The Android team. Yeah, it's not <laughs> AJ and Andy. Android. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, you know, uh, in celebration of such an exciting event, uh, we have put together a fantastic show for you today. First of all, because we are doing the show live, we will be going open line later in the show today. So if you have tech questions or even comments on any of the stories that we covered today, uh, be sure to uh, dial us up uh, during that part of the show. We will give the phone numbers uh, when that comes up. Um, also, Andy was able to secure uh, a great guest today. Um, we have Sean Stevens, the National Manager in Strategy and Planning for BMW Group Canada. And this is cool because uh, Sean's going to be here today and he's going to talk to us about autonomous driving and self-driving cars and some of the very cool things that BMW is uh, announcing for the year 2021 launching coming into market. So we're going to hear a lot about that, uh, which I'm very excited about. And... Um, and we also have uh, a very cool guest on, on the show. We have Dr. Uh, Samita Nidu. Uh She's a child and adolescent psychiatrist, and she's actually going to be talking to us about the um, the mental health effects of excessive screen time with kids. Because this is one of these questions that comes up more and more. We have so many digital devices, you know, laptop, desktop. You've got your tablet, like an iPad. Uh, you've got our mobile phones that are with us 24 hours a day. What is that effect that it's having on kids? And we, we have um, Dr. Samita with us uh, here to talk about that. Uh, but before we get into uh, uh, our guests today, thought we'd talk a little bit about the news. That's right. There's a couple of big uh, tech stories that happened uh, this weekend. I think the big one, AJ, that I wanted us to talk about was the number of complaints that the telecoms are getting. Uh, it's actually going up. And it was some interesting stats about which out of all, like, we don't have many telecoms here in Canada, yeah, but yeah. which one came out on top? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, uh, we, you know, there's a 73% increase over the same period last year um, in terms of complaints that have, um, that the telecom uh, industry has received. So this is, you know, this is your Telus's, your Bells, your Rogers, your, you know, all the small companies as well, or the smaller companies as well. Um, uh, but it's interesting that there's actually an increase in, in complaints that's happening. But to be honest with you, I'm not really that surprised because I think more and more people um, are starting to um, really rely on using things like smartphones. And not only that, but a lot of these companies, um, the breadth of their services covers things like television and, and, and phone traditional phone lines as well. And that's what's happening, AG, is you look at the telecoms, they're all having vertically integrated services. Yeah. So what they're trying to do with customers is bundle them. So you get your phone, your internet, uh, your cable, and everything all within one price. And what happens is the, most of the complaints or that they're giving misleading information, not disclosing all the contract terms. So you think you're going to pay one thing, and at the end of the day, you actually end up paying more when you thought you were going to be saving money. And that's when people start to complain to the regulatory bodies. That's definitely one of the, one of the big ones that, uh, that we read about. Uh, so uh, who owns the top of the list uh, in terms of the total number of complaints that were received? Uh, according to the report that we have just seen is uh, Bell. That's Bell right. Communications. Yeah. But you have to take everything into context. So Bell is number one, and Bell has about 22.1 million customers in Canada. Yeah. Uh, next up, I guess, was Rogers with 770 complaints. And Rogers, just to give you a little context, has about 17 million customers. And then there's Telus with 
1.1 million customers, they had about 511 complaints. Yeah. So essentially, the all the guys that have the most uh, make up the big three, and they um, definitely had the uh, the most complaints among amongst them. With Bell sort of leading the charts. Well, we know that it's a very competitive industry, yeah. and so they have very aggressive sales tactic, tactics. Door to door. This happened to my parents. My my mom comes to me one day and goes, "Oh, I switched carriers." I'm like, "Why?" She goes, "Well, this gentleman came to the front door and yeah. and he was talking to me and he said I got this great deal." She made the switch, was very unhappy with it, and then ended up switching over again. So it was just a big headache. But I can see what happened is somebody, you know, she's not very tech savvy and they were trying to give her all these charts. And she thought she was getting a deal, but then she was really unhappy with the service. You remember that last big promotion that happened about two or three months ago, the 10 gig? That's right, yes. That caused a lot of uh, kerfuffle mm-hmm. uh, because every single carrier had to sort of jump on board with a similar offering. I think it was originally... Was it uh, Freedom? Freedom that came out with it. That's yes. right, and uh, and so everyone followed suit quickly after that. Um, it was it was a nightmare. You th- the phone lines went down. Like yeah. you were trying to call your carrier to find out if you get in on this deal, and you just you couldn't get through yeah. for for hours, if not days. People were trying to upgrade their plans, um, and uh, you know I think I remember even one point walking into the store with, of the carrier that I use, and I said, "Hey, I'd like to take advantage of this plan," and they said. Oh, are you with another provider? And I said no. And they said, Oh, well, then yes. we, we can't give it to you. I'm like, Wait a minute, I'm your customer. I know. How do you not? That, okay, that like, I've always found funny. Yeah, is that when you're a customer, you don't get the same treatment if you were not yeah. a customer. Then yeah. they want to be friends with you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it My loyalty make... means nothing. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah. it, it was a big kerfuffle mm-hmm. uh, when that happened. And one of the recommendations I have for a lot of people is if you have an issue with your carrier and you want something changed, you can go and complain to the bodies. But if you post it on social media and tag your carrier, they have a social media team that tries to address this so it doesn't blow up. Uh, that's a great way to kind of get somebody to get back to you right away. No kidding. Yeah. Um, I also saw an interesting story. Google's working on some pretty funky technology in terms of um, in terms of uh, identifying uh, voices in large crowds. I don't know if you saw this or not, but essentially they're working on a technology that will allow um, them to suppress. Um, the other noises in a loud room so that they can focus in and hear uh, a single voice that might be happening in that room. They're, ta- they're talking about the technology, uh, you know, being really, really useful for future things like hearing aids and stuff like that. But they actually use a combination of both audio listening um, um, technique and also visual technique as well. So they're sort of combining these two, both um, visual and audio, to be able to like listen to uh, sounds. Sounds very spy-like to me. <laughs> it does, but we've already seen that with the Google Home smart speakers. Mm-hmm. They're now having it so it's personalized to your voice. And what they want is they understand that families have multiple people yeah. with different voices, and it wants to be able to discern who's who. So that's taking that technology on a more larger scale to, to see what they can do with it. Yeah, there's no question the whole smart home listening um, speakers uh, that we've heard of the google home the amazon echo these things are blowing up like they're basically becoming very very popular and the whole bringing this whole idea of controlling certain things in your home to a real reality because before it used to be a little bit more technical used to have to have a bunch of different programs working together or apps working together but now you can literally just walk into your house and say hey google Turn on the lights. Oh, my phone. Oh, I'm worried. My, yeah, my you're just, just, you just <laughs> activated my phone. Too. <laughs> I just turned the lights on in my house. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, lots more stories to come. Uh, we do have to uh, go to a break. So 
When we come back, we will be talking to Dr. Smita Naidu. Uh, she's a child and adolescent psychiatrist. We're going to be looking or listening uh, to the effects, the mental health effects on excessive screen time with your kids. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Get Connected. AJ Vickery sitting in for Mike Agarbo and co-hosting uh, with me today, Andy Barrar. And uh, next, we're, uh, we're going to talk to Dr. Samita Naidu. She's a child and adolescent psychiatrist. And we're going to talk a little bit about um, the mental health effects of excessive screen time with kids. You know, is this something that you're concerned about? Are you thinking about either you or your grandchildren and how much time they have in front of their kids? Uh, well, let's talk about it. Hi, Dr. Samita Naidu, hi. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks a million. I'm happy and honored to meet you virtually, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> The technology, don't you just love it? Yeah, I uh, yes, it's a love and hate relationship, just like a lot of different things in life. But um, I'm I'm happy to talk about how excess screen time may be damaging on our children's mental health today. Yeah, and uh, you know, so let's ju- jump right into it. What what um, you know? What is your sort of you know high level thoughts about that before we, I guess we get into some of the details? Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about high-level thoughts, you're right, because this question is a very complex one, and it's very difficult for me to answer simply. I mean, it matters on two things, AJ. Uh, Essentially, what age are we talking about of the child with regards to how damaging it can be to the brain? And number two is we have to be very careful about how we answer such questions with regards to causation versus correlation. So one of the things I wanted to bring up today is maybe suggest you a more simple model of how to look at tech and the brain in a, in a kind of a way that we all understand, which is addiction. Great. Does that work with you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to summarize how, um, you know, if you think about the addiction model and how health works, in some ways it kind of puts it together for us in a more cohesive fashion throughout the development of the child. So to summarize it, let's use the analogy of addictions. If we think of anything in excess, right, in view of addictions, things start to make more sense. So let's take uh, from birth to the ages of, you know, zero to two, essentially. Mm-hmm. That is where the most amount of research, AJ, has come out, specifically in the Canadian Pediatric Society in 2017, which is probably why there's a lot more questions and a lot higher level questions coming from parents these days that come into our clinic. So what's, you know, how technology affects that age from zero to two is very different than if you and I were to have a conversation about how it affects the teenage brain. So from zero to two, in fact, believe it or not, um, you know, I know as much as we want to use the iPad as our electronic babysitter sometimes because it just helps with our busy lifestyles for parents to even just take a shower, right? But the issue here is that kids don't actually understand the content of what they're watching until the age of three. So what the guidelines are now suggesting that screen time in general from the ages of zero to two, because it's the most important neuronal developmental time of a child and sleep is so important, but it's better just to not actually engage in any screen time from those ages. So zero, no, no screen time, zero to two is the, is the, is the guideline is what, is what the recommendation is. Yes, that's right. And so in the States, if you were to read guidelines from the States, it's a little bit more lax. Um, and the truth is, as you can see, I mean, 
our neighbors across the border, I mean, have a very different perspective. So you can already see how much ambivalence there is even in the research world and the medical world. So, of course, I mean, we're in an age of digital successes, uh, and this is part of our social fabric right now. But we have to be very careful of just educating parents with what we know now, which is zero to two is probably better to have um, as limited screen time as possible, um, just because we understand that the impact of the brain, that's when it's more vulnerable. And they have done research to suggest that it can correlate with language delay, attention, things like um, sleep, of course, and uh, executive function. There's got to be parents uh, out there listening, though, that are you know, going, are you kidding me? I know. <laughs> like, of course. Yeah. I'm saying that as a child psychiatrist. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I have nieces as well. Um, and when they were growing up, of course, you want to show them everything that you find engaging. And mm. there's a lot of positives, uh, absolutely, that come with screen time. It's just very important for me to give you a baseline guideline mm. and for families to use that as an ideal model. And then you implement your own value system, your own cultural expectations of how you use uh, technology. But I think the bigger question of what you guys are asking me today is how do we manage tech in teenagers? Well, Dr. just before we get into the, the teenagers, when you say zero to two, no tech for the kids, does that mean that the parents should not be using technology around the kids? Because a lot of times mm -hmm. they want to imitate what their parents are doing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all about what, what we're talking about is a journey about us understanding um, that this is a real skill for both parents to understand and for their children throughout the development of uh, their brains to understand. So for sure, parents are obviously going to be using their tech around children as long as it's not impacting the child before bedtime and they're not, you know, flashing their iPhones right before bedtime. Um, so, for example, uh, very, that's a very good question because, you know, in our connected world now we're using Skype more often. Uh, you know, one, one uh, suggestion I would say is maybe if, you know, your child wants to talk to grandpa on Skype, maybe don't do it right before bedtime, right? So, so there are ways to manage this um, for sure, but I'm giving you the hard and fast data yeah. so that we can work together as a community to understand a little bit better. It's pretty hard for me to do in 10 minutes. Yeah, for sure. Well, before we jump into the teenagers, what, what about that next range, the sort of like three and up? Mm -hmm. what, where does that? Yeah, yeah, so right now they're saying from ages kind of three to five is what they would rate as early exposure. Mm -hmm. And at that point they're saying, you know, around one hour. Um, and a, then a month, any, a day, a year, oh, sorry, a day. <laughs> oh, a day. Okay. Sorry, I should be. No, yeah, that's okay. 24 hours. Um, and, uh, that would be, um, and then that changes again after the age of six and six, you know, six onwards, that's when actually gets very lax and it really depends on the value system of the child, what the child is using it for. So all of these hours that we're talking about is an excess of what they're doing on using it for school, for writing essays. So that kind of screen time, if it's uh, for academic work or for job applications, that kind of thing, that's out of this range that we're talking about. So what they're now recommending is anyone over the age of six, therefore can have um, pretty much around two hours of just social fun time um, mm. on their iPads and iPhones. Interesting. Interesting. Dr. Yeah. Adi, we only have about a minute left. Uh, any, what about teenagers? Because teenagers love technology. How do parents or what should be recommended guidelines to managing their screen time use? If I had the magic answer to that, AJ, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd probably be sitting on a beach in Maui um, <laughs> because that's the billion-dollar question right now. So, 
So what I would just want to impart with your viewers is that um, it's a skill and that uh, basically we shouldn't use um, the limits of technology just on the child or the teenager because then it's viewed as punishment. So instead, the household should come up and collaboratively develop with their teen at what time every single member of that house turns off their iPhones, iPads, televisions. So that includes the parents, unfortunately. The whole point is that we're trying to instill skills for the family to manage this in a cohesive way, just kind of like teaching kids about finances and budgeting. Well, it's the same thing. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us. If people want to find out more about this information and this research, what's, what any resources they yeah, can go to? for sure. So um, Andrea Bell and myself um, have created a mental health platform called papercloudproject.ca. Uh, after your show as well, if any of your listeners want a signed copy of our book, we'd be happy to give that out. Um, but essentially, the first book is on the impact of sleep on mental health, and specifically, we talk about screen time. Thank you. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Thanks a million. Pleasure. Take care. That was Dr. Samita Nadu. Uh, she's a child and adolescent psychiatrist and was talking to us about the mental health effects of excessive screen times with kids uh, one hour a day after three. Wow. Well, you know, the one recommendation was uh, like if you want your kids, like teenager kids, to not use technology, yeah. you as well should not yeah. use technology and be a good, uh, you know, um, kind of make it as a family thing. Yeah. So like dinner time, everybody takes devices it. off. No, no phones on the <laughs> table and stuff. It's hard to do. I get yeah. it. Oh yeah, I get it. It's hard to do, but that's great advice. Yeah, that was. Well, I know. I know. You know, she talked about addiction, and I know even for myself, having a you know four year old uh, Emma. Um, you know, when she's watching TV, I'm talking to her. She doesn't even like. Yeah. I'm not even there. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty crazy stuff. When we come back, we have some great stuff for you. Still, we're going to talk to the guys at BMW about their self driving cars. Stay tuned. We will be back right after this. You're back with Get Connected, AJ Vickery, sitting in for Mike Agarbo with Andy Barrar. Andy, I love that thing you just described to me. So you, you know, imagine going to the grocery store, jumping out of your car. It parks itself. Not you, in the parking lot, somewhere else. Yeah, in the, yeah, somewhere wherever it parks itself. Yeah. Then you go do all your shopping. You come out and your car comes and you call your car on your app and it comes, picks you up. Yes. No more fighting over spots. No more trying to find the perfect spot close to, the, so you don't have to walk that far. Oh, could it? Could it actually happen? Well, could it happen? Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And today we've got a, a fantastic guest. We have Sean Stevens, who's the national manager of strategy and planning for BMW Canada. Sean, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Tell us about the autonomous driving to come. <laughs> uh, I think. I mean, so uh, what you're seeing on the roads today um, is. Typical of, of what we would call level two autonomous driving, uh, and those are systems where you know the vehicle is able to take over control um, for a very limited period of time in a very uh, specific circumstance, uh, and that's what you're seeing uh, on our new five series, our new seven series. Uh, and the new X3 that we've launched in Canada. So so uh, let's talk about these levels uh, just because um, I didn't actually realize that uh, or I, hadn't, I didn't actually know that there was these classifications. So, so, so could you just briefly run us through like what, the, what these levels are and how many, there, how many levels there are? Sure. So there's kind of six levels, uh, and these are sort of industry terms. They're not you know, specific to BMW. Uh, so level zero would be basically no assistance at all. Um, level one would be... Uh, your systems like cruise control, so systems that support the driver, but the driver has to maintain full control. Level two is what you see, and those are the most advanced vehicles on the road today. 
Uh, and that's what we call partly automated driving. So that's where the system's able to take over in a very uh, specific situation. Like, Would that um, be like or, parallel parking or something like that? Yeah, parallel parking. Uh, some of the systems that we have on BMW is um, we have our active cruise control with lane keep assist. Um, so with that system, you can actually um, take your hands off the wheel for up to 50 seconds when you're on, say, the highway or a major series highway. Mm. Uh, level three is what is kind of defined as uh, hands-off, mind-on. And what they mean by that is this is something where the vehicle is going to be able to take over uh, in certain situations for extended periods of time, but the driver needs to be attentive and aware in case the vehicle needs the driver to take over. Um, level four, this is what we would describe as fully automated driving, and really this is where you as a passenger or driver in the vehicle can completely disconnect. This is hands-off, mind-off, meaning you don't have to pay attention at all. You could potentially take a nap, relax. Uh, the vehicle is going to be able to do uh, the entire driving. Wow. And level five is very similar to level four. The only exception is that there's no one actually in the vehicle. Uh, and this would be something where potentially you don't even need a steering wheel. There could be no gas, brake. Uh, so that's fully autonomous driving. Wow. So, so, Sean, like how AJ had mentioned about having your car pick you up, that would be a level five autonomous self-driving car. Yeah, exactly. So that's something where, you know, um, you can summon the car maybe through an app um, and the car would come to you at your destination, pick you up. You would be able to get in um, and, and transfer the destination where you want to go and the vehicle is going to take you there. So in the context of BMW, uh, where are you guys at today and, and how far are you away from some of these levels in the future? So right now we've got level two uh, and that's available for consumers, as I said, in our five series, and our seven series, the, the new X3. Um, and we've committed to introducing level three uh, by 2021 in our BMW i next. Um, but in parallel to that, we are also going to be doing testing um, in level four and level five. Wow. Right, so you're going to see those technologies really start to come to the market, uh, 2021, and very shortly after that. And so, in 2021, that level three being that you could literally, uh, in certain situations, um, not touch the, uh, like, not drive the vehicle for up to 50, 50 seconds. You say? Uh, no, the 50 seconds is actually level two. What we have now, so level oh. three would be something where, say, you're on a major series highway. Yeah. Um, that's a very sort of predictable and controlled environment. So the vehicle theoretically could basically, you know, maybe you're going from Vancouver to Whistler and you're on the highway. Um, that's a situation where potentially the vehicle could uh, drive that whole distance uh, without the driver having to uh, basically intervene at all. Wow. What a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait for that. Sean, what, what kind of tech goes into this? Because I imagine the, the vehicle is going to need a SIM card. Are they going to need like 5G technology for all this to happen? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different elements. So right now, um, what we see is we basically have uh, stereo cameras in our vehicles. Um, so this is a camera that is located in the windshield and it's forward facing. And it's actually able to perceive the world in three dimensions. So it's very similar to how you... Uh, would see the world. Um, and then we also have sh short range and long range range based radar systems. Um, so that's really what is allowing the vehicle to sense everything that's around it, whether it's a vehicle ahead or maybe a vehicle beside it. Um, and then I, I think, yeah, exactly what you mentioned, you know, 5G infrastructure, um, vehicle to vehicle communication, vehicle to everything communication. Uh, those are things that are going to have to come to the market 
uh, as well as you know high definition mapping. So right now, navigation systems in the BMW vehicles they're accurate to be within a meter. Um, in order to make autonomous driving a reality, that is going to have to get to become accurate to within a centimeter. Yeah, we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, what like what kind of cost does this add to the to per vehicle? Like, is that something that you have to be careful in consideration for? Yeah, I think, I mean, you're, you're probably, it's hard to really say, I think, that what the costs are going to be for the vehicles. I think that, obviously, it's something where, um, as the early technology is being adopted into the market, you're going to see it probably in the higher-end models. Mm-hmm. And then, as that technology begins to scale, it's something that you'll see sort of introduced uh, throughout the product line and make its way throughout the entire product and, and industry, so... Is there anywhere where people can go to find out more information if they're interested in this and even just seeing some of the technologies available in BMW today? Yeah, so, I mean, you can definitely go to our website, uh, bmw.ca. But then another thing that is going on right now in Vancouver is the TED event. And uh, BMW actually has uh, i3s there that have level 5 autonomous technology. uh, And we're actually doing drive events. So consumers can go down. Um, and basically actually experience what that would be like um, of a level five uh, situation. Very good. Well, Sean, thank you so much for coming on to talk to us today about this. And uh, we look forward, I know Andy's already been in one of the cars, but we look forward to getting more opportunities to, to experience that as well. Okay, perfect. Thanks, guys. Good stuff. Uh, that was Sean Stevens. He's a national manager uh, with strategy and planning for BMW Group Canada. Uh, some pretty crazy stuff there. When we come back, uh, we'll be going open line. We're going to talk about a little bit more news, and then we'll take your questions and calls. And um, I'll give out the local number here in Vancouver if you want to start calling in. If you have any questions for either of our guests, 280-9898. That's 604-280-9898. And also toll-free if you're listening across Canada, dial us at 1-877-399-9898. You're listening to Get Connected with AJ and Andy, brought to you by our good friends at London Drugs. We'll be back after this. You're back with Get Connected. As I said, we're going to be taking any questions that you have, whether it's buying advice or something you're trying to figure out, or even if you have some comments on the guests we had today, give us a call, 604-280-9898. And also toll-free, you can give us a call at 1-877-399-9898. Uh, I do want to mention our prize today because every week, Andy and the team works their butt off to find some awesome prizes for us to give away um, everything from smartphones to printers to you name it. Uh, this week, you guys came found a very interesting prize. That's right. If people are building a smart home and you have a garage, you're definitely going to want to enter this contest. We're giving away the Chamberlain MyQ Smart Garage Hub. And the beauty about this one is you don't have to retrofit your, your garage door to get this and to make it smart. It actually will work with pre-existing garage door openers. And then you can open and close it with your smartphone. If you thought that you might have left it open remotely, you could control it as well. All you got to do is go to our Facebook page. Just go to getconnectedmedia.com. That will redirect you right to our Facebook page. And you'll see that the contest is right on the top. You just want to go there and enter and win. If you're on Facebook, you just have to type in Get Connected Media and that'll come up and make sure you like our page and enter the contest for the Chamberlain MyQ Smart Garage Hub. I don't know how you guys think of this stuff, but uh, you know the fact that someone can win uh, a smart garage hub, I love that. That's so cool. So so I just, you know, I imagine driving home and talking to either Amazon's Echo or 
you know, basically talking to Alexa or Google yeah. and uh, tell him to open up the garage and yeah. it just does it. it it's, that's what's I mean, why happen. use the little clicker that you got now? Oh, when, that's when you so can... <laughs> 80s. <laughs> you can voice control. Listen, we got uh, uh, Jim on the line with a BMW question. Uh, hi, Jim. Hi there. Um, I was just uh, listening to the gentleman from uh, BMW yeah. and, um, you know, talking about all the new technology and uh, and things like that. And he goes, you know, it's, uh, it was set up in the, the higher end cars and then they, they can scale it to the other ones. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping to talk to him. I, uh, I have a BMW, a 750 series that I bought brand new in 2007. And it has, you know, a number of bells and whistles that were available in 2007, but recently there was a, uh, a recall on an option that is the kind of the soft closed doors, and um, you know the the fix for it was they didn't have one, and um, what they wanted, what they did was disconnect it. You know what I mean? So you oh. had this feature, you had this option, and the recall fix was to disconnect it. So, no. <laughs> you know, I just kind of was curious on your guys' thoughts on, you know, when, when you do buy a high-end BMW with all these options, you know, do you potentially have the risk years down the road that, hey, this camera doesn't work, yeah. we're going to disconnect it. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for thanks for calling, Jim. And, and uh, actually, if you uh, if you hang on the line, we'll get Amir to grab your um, contact info because maybe we can connect you to Sean uh, with that comment directly as well. But from a... You know, from from just a just a general thought process, being someone who's grown up and been and, and who has loved technology, yeah. Um, yes, like like there's that's that's going to be a big part of this because um, you know even today with mobile phones, when we think about your smartphone, right? Yeah. You, you buy the iPhone three, you know, and all of a sudden two years later, yeah. you feel you feel like you're a peasant, even yeah. though you dropped several hundred dollars on this phone, it, because all of a sudden there's the iPhone five or iPhone six, and now there's the iPhone ten. Uh, you know, so you feel, and and the new features, the new tech that gets built into these hardware solutions, you know, it can't really be updated with the software. Maybe, maybe we'll start uh, buying cars every two years, like smartphones. Well, this is this is the point I'm getting to, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, you used to own your phone for 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 a long time. Yeah. You used to own your TV yes. for for a decade. Yeah. Uh, well, and you mentioned TVs because, like, here's the thing. These cars are becoming computers. Yes. And what we've seen with that with televisions, they yeah. became computers. And so you get this smart TV, yeah. and a couple of years later, it's old. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see, AJ, is when you have these vehicles, are you going to be able to get like software upgrades to get the newest features? Or do you have to buy a new vehicle to get those features? Because yeah. they will be computers. And then, you know, when, when they have computers, you're going to have a lot of tech problems. That's just the nature of technology. It'll be troubleshooting your cars. In addition to our smartphones and computers at, at home. Yeah, I know. Tough one. Well, you know, there's another car question here. So let's jump to that. We have another Jim. Uh, thanks uh, for calling. Well, don't I get to ask the question? Yes, please. Yes. Whose insurance covers this car when it's driving down the road by uh, itself? That's an excellent question. Actually, I had a chance to uh, drive in their level five. And that was one of the questions I had. I go, what happens? Who's liable if there's an accident? Is it the driver? And, and basically what they're saying is, no, it will be the car manufacturer. But the issue of insurance, how that would work when you have a car that's fully autonomous, those things have to be sorted out. They really haven't sorted it out. And they know that even though that they have the technology now, there's a lot of legislation. And BMW is a global group, so there's different regions. Mm-hmm. Everyone has different laws. And what they were saying is, we hope we can get almost a universal type of standard sure. that can go across the globe, because we don't want to make different vehicles for different regions. And uh, it kind of makes a sense, but 
Nobody knows because yeah. we don't have a level five autonomous. No, I, you, I, I think you can be certain that uh, before these vehicles are actually like in production and on the road, or sorry, I should say on the roads, that um, those questions, those questions will be answered. But right now, uh, no one knows. No one really knows. Uh, Ken, thanks for waiting. Uh, what's your question? Uh, my question is, um, it's not uh, the uh, cruise control or anything like that, but I'm actually in the market for a new phone. Yeah. Um, my Asus Zenfone 2 finally died on me. So I was looking at the Nokia 9, and I was wondering if you have any uh, take on that. And I just wanted to comment that Knight Rider is now coming to a reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it, he's right about the Knight Rider thing. Uh, one of the other things that BMW showed, AJ, was if you are driving in a parking lot and you don't want to park your car because it's like too close to a pole, you can actually, the car will park itself. And then it, I saw the car like come out of its own parking spot and like with another car that was really close by, so you couldn't open the door. And it reminded me of Knight Rider of watching it as a kid. I'm like, look, it's Kit. <laughs> Kit. Kit is actually here. For those of you who remember Knight Rider. Uh, uh, for I- your question about the uh, Nokia, you know what? We try all the newest phones that come to the market, but we haven't tried the, the new Nokia, so I don't really want to comment on it. The Zenfone 2 was actually a great phone. Yep. It had the dual SIM, yep. which was a cool feature. Yep. Um, there's a lot. It, when it comes to picking a smartphone, you really have to look at what your budget is and then what kind of features are a must. For some people, they have to have the best camera. Yep. Then you have to lean to more of a, a high-end phone. But a lot of them, there's you can get a good phone for about $250 unlocked, especially on the Moto yes. line, all the way up to about $1,200 if you go iPhone. Yeah. And there's lots of choice in between. So you definitely need to just check it out and take in consideration size of the phone and also the battery life because every phone runs out of battery at some point in time. So it depends on the kind of use that you have on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I think we have to take one more break before the uh, end of the show. So stay with us, AJ and Andy, taking your calls and questions on Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs. You're back with Get Connected, AJ and Andy sitting in for Mike Agarbo. Just a few minutes left. Uh, i just thinking about that smart garage hub that we're giving away for the guys at Chamberlain, uh, MyQ. And uh, it just makes me think these houses are getting so smart. Um, I know your house is getting smart. You know, I've really enjoyed putting together um, a Google-based smart home over the past, uh, you know, couple of weeks. I've done lights. I've done uh, the thermometer. So I yeah. put in the MISA yeah. a thermometer. So a lot of people look at the Ecobee or they look at the Nest thermometer. Yeah. Um, we uh, didn't have that type of heating in our house. So we had what's called baseboard electric heating. Yes. So it's it's a high-voltage heating system. That's what I have It as doesn't well. work yeah. with those other ones. Yeah. So MISA is a Canadian company. Uh, they're actually, I think they're based out of the far east coast, like I think Newfoundland, if I'm yep. not mistaken. And they pr- they've come out with a, a smart a thermostat that works with um, the baseboard heating. Yes. So the, the the high voltage. But I can tell you that it's amazing because you can, um, I'm not even talking like, you don't need to change your heat that often. I get that part. Yep. But the fact is, I've never been able to properly program mm-hmm. my thermostat yep. um, on just running at certain points during the day, like turn it off when I leave, so turn you it on when I get home. You set a schedule then. Yeah, I set a schedule of- because in the smart software, setting a schedule is just so easy. Yeah, and that's the thing is when you have electric baseboard heating, it'll take time for it to heat up as well. So you want to make sure that you have it on a schedule so that it can go go up. Can I ask you one question? Yeah. This is a big thing about smart homes. Yeah. How does your wife respond to it? Because I know you're super geeky and that's yeah. the big issue is getting buy-in from yeah. the family. I got buy-in. 
You got buy it. I got my daughter talks to it. Oh, really? My daughter says, "Hey Google, turn on the lights." Really? That's not always great because then all <laughs> the lights turn on when you're trying to sleep. But there yeah. you go, uh, Andy. It's been a fantastic uh, show this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining me uh, to host it in Mike's absence. Amir on the controls. Thank you, sir, for helping us uh, today as well. And thanks to London Drugs. Yes. You know, great company, uh, great computer section. Um, definitely check them out. Get connected this week. We'll see you guys again next week. AJ and Andy signing off. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.